You're listening to the IPHC Leadership Cast. Hello and welcome to this edition of the IPHC Leadership Cast. I'm Garrett Magby with the IPHC Communications Department, and today I am here with Hans Hess. And Hans, you are here to talk to us a little bit about, uh, first we want to know about your background, but also want to know about um, some of the things that you've been bringing into um, the church growth area of ministry and really um, focusing on revitalizing churches, helping them expand, things like that. So go and tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll go from there. Well, great. Garrett's great to be with you today. Great to be at YouthQuest here. Um, I am Hans Hess. I originally grew up in southwestern Virginia, in the mountains of Virginia, moved to the East Coast to study at Regent University and do a master's degree there. And then that uh, turned into me coming into the IPHC and pastoring a church called Chesapeake First Pentecostal Holiness Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. And uh, my wife and I were just in our 20s then, but you know, we saw a great uh, revitalization happen in that church. That church basically tripled in about four years. And then I uh, felt I wanted to go do a church from the ground up and just church plant. So uh, after being at uh, Chesapeake first for four and a half years, my wife and I moved to Northern Virginia to the suburbs of Washington, D.C., and spent 10 years there planning a church. Wow, 10 years there, okay. Yeah. Good, good stretch? Yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was the most difficult thing I think I've ever done in my life, but it was, uh, it was fantastic. It, it, it made us, I think, who we are today. Yeah. Um, we didn't see the growth and the success that we wanted to to begin with, but it caused us to be really missional. It caused us to be constantly uh, looking at the world through evangelistic eyes and constantly looking at how we could grow our church. Awesome. And let me ask you this. This is interesting because uh, I'm actually a member of a church that's still within their first 10-year stretch, and I've been there since, since day one. And I've noticed that especially starting out, uh, because you 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 really you're starting out with a core group of people, right? Uh, and then growing from there, it's really kind of a 100% full time all the time start. You don't really get a lot of uh, you know uh, sabbatical time or time off during those first initial years. Tell me how kind of your experience with that, and then we'll lead into to yeah. Right now. It was completely intense yeah. because we hit the ground running and I uh, had a fantastic team working with me but just you know living in a, in a, a major metropolitan area like Washington DC and planting and getting a culture and working jobs on the side and uh, started a whole PhD program which I don't know I, wow. I, I needed my you know my brains checked for doing that at that time <laughs> but anyhow we all of that happening together while we were church planting. Wow. So it was an intense period. Yeah, no, no let up, no break, no break whatsoever. Did you ever? Were there times that were particularly in your mind tougher than others during that process, or was the whole thing just kind of like a a blaze the whole time? Yeah, the first four years were obviously the most difficult. We met in an elementary school, so okay. we were loading, unloading every Sunday. Uh, all the other meetings happened in houses and stuff. But, okay. but again, it just forced us into that missional mindset, forced us to be evangelistic and look to grow uh, at, at every opportunity. And how did you do from, from day one to the last part of year four? What was your growth like in that period of time? Well, it, the church grew to about 80 people strong. Okay. But then in the last um, year to year and a half, we had to move locations. Okay. And the church started fracturing. Gotcha. And um, I don't know. We just went through it through a, a wild period of time for a whole year, and we finally got to a point 
that um, my wife and I really felt, okay, we need to get out of this thing. Yeah. And even my core team that had been with me, some of them been with me the whole 10 years, they came and affirmed it and said, hey, Hans, maybe we just need to dismantle this whole thing. And believe it or not, we dismantled the church. So after 10 years of all that work, and a lot of lives changed, and a lot of great things happened, but after all that time, we closed the doors. And it was like uh, a death had happened in my life. Yeah. And I thought about just quitting ministry. I thought about definitely never pastoring again. Um, and then I received a phone call from a good good friend named Bill Mayo. And uh, he was pastoring in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. He knew my situation. He had known me for years. And uh, he said, Hans, how about coming to Elizabeth City and talking to these guys about taking the church? He was struggling with a, a life-threatening disease that eventually took him out that, that wow. year. And uh, I, I, okay, so, you know, Elizabeth City, North Carolina, this is a small town. Yeah. I'm living in Washington, D.C. with Starbucks on every corner, man. <laughs> and I definitely didn't want to move to small time, right. uh, small town, North Carolina. But anyhow, we went through this whole soul searching, wrestling process. I, I had two teenage girls that, well, they were becoming teenagers at the time. I didn't want to displace them and move them. And so anyhow. We just we just had no other options, and well, I had other options, but I just I just felt this is the only sensible thing to do right now with my life. Right. So we went. Gotcha. You went and just took. Now, did you go out and do like kind of a preliminary visit with everybody, or did you guys just? Up and yeah, go? no. I spent a summer 2009. I spent the summer going down to Elizabeth City and helping Pastor Mayo preach because he was dealing with his sickness. Right. right. And uh, through the whole summer, we kind of spent kind of as an interim pastor almost. Okay. And then by the time August came, we got to talk in serious business, serious transition. Yeah. transition. Yeah. So tell me about that. You transition out there. You move the family up and moves, and mm-hmm. you guys go out there. And now you're in the situation where you're um, basically taking over the pastorship of this church, right. you're taking over every aspect of it. What's what's your initial first thought? What do what, what do I need to do? What do I need to? Well, I was so fried from the church planning experience. I walked in and interviewed with their board, and one of the guys on the board said, "So, Hans, tell us what's your vision for the church here?" And I, my response was honestly. I don't have a vision. I'm completely fried. I'm just going to come. We're going to bluff people, preach and pray, and God will give us something. But when I walked into that church, there were mostly older people there. Okay. And I looked over the crowd, and the you know the music was uh, uh, the music was good, but it was a little bit you know dated. And I looked through the congregation, and I saw a lot of gray hair and stuff. And I prayed. And I said, Lord, just give me the kids and grandkids of these people. Just just give me the kids and grandkids, God. And I'm not going to touch anything, Lord. I don't want to fight with people. I'm tired of that. I'm just going to, with my, my wife and our musicians, I said, we'll tweak with the music a little bit. I will preach, and that's it. I, and I may not be here long. Yeah. So we walked in that, Garrett. is amazing, man. I walked in with that mindset, and things just started to happen. Uh, we started to have people come and just get saved, and, and salvation's happening. To uh, in about a four-year period, we had somewhere around two thousand people get saved. Wow! Come to Christ through our services or through other ministries of that church, and then the church just started growing, and it was just incredible, man. And uh, in my situation, I know I'm, I'm different than everybody else, but uh, 
as a church planner, you have to kind of drive the vision, man. You come in and it, it has to be on and you're pushing, pushing, pushing. But in this situation, a revitalization of a church that was already healthy, uh, you know, if I would have gone in too strong, I, I feel I would have fractured the trust with those people. Right. And I walked in and I just took it easy and I let growth naturally happen. And then growth dictated change. Yeah, yeah. And what I'm, I'm hearing is basically this mindset of going into the church and saying, Hey, God, one, I'm going to trust you completely. I don't have, I'm not going to try to bring in any type of mindset other than mm-hmm. whatever you've got. But then also just focusing in on, okay, how do we not not do away with the healthy church that's already here? How do we add to it? Absolutely. Add, like that prayer that you, you mentioned, praying for the, the kids, grandkids, yep. great-grandchildren, you know, whoever you could get. So that, that mindset of saying, God, I'm going to let you take this right. to the next step. I'm just here to do whatever you want. Absolutely. And that's... that's I, a huge key to growth because a lot of times some you have these these situations where people say, hey, I'm going to come in and I'm going to do this, 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 and this. The problem is it starts with I'm going to instead of God, what are you going to? Exactly. And so, exactly. So, and, and I think another key was that we started releasing the vision that was in the people because I'd have someone come to me and say, hey, pastor, we want to do a wild game dinner for the uh, hunters and fishers and this fishermen in this area. Yeah. And I'm like, what is a wild game dinner? I don't, <laughs> so, so I was like, let's do it, man. So we started doing it. Now it's one of the biggest things in northeastern North Carolina. And is this? How does that? How does that work specifically? Well, once a year we ho- we host a dinner. The dinner draws about 600 people because that's all we can fit in the building. Wow. And uh, they're and, and my guys give away the tickets to hardcore lost uh, sportsmen. So they come to this dinner and they eat bear and deer and all that stuff. And then we always have a speaker speak. Uh, who can relate to them, and then there's a, there's a call given for the gospel at the end. And now it's turned into a monthly meeting. Uh, sometimes, though, actually, it's a weekly meeting now where they meet and, and teach kids how to shoot compound bow. They do 3D archery shoots. They do family-based turkey shoots. All kinds of crazy stuff. So you see these. They call themselves soul hunters, and you see this sticker on pickup trucks all over our town. It's crazy. <laughs> Another lady came to me and she said, uh, Pastor, I want to start healing rooms. And I had a lot of confidence in this lady. So I said, well, let's do it, man. So we started Healing Rooms, did the whole full-blown training. She has a fantastic team. They meet every Tuesday. They just pray for the sick. Anyone who comes in, wow. doesn't matter. It's, it's non-denominational. It's, it's interdenominational. Right. So, uh, you know, those are just two of, of dozens of things that have blossomed out of that church, just releasing the vision of the people that were there. And it's and is a lot of it, it sounds like the members themselves are coming to you with these ministry opportunities or ideas. Yeah. And saying, hey, can we, how, can we push this forward? What do we need to do? How do we need yeah. to? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, and pastors are all, in all kinds of different contexts. So I can't say this works for everybody, but I just started releasing it. If it was a good idea, I felt God was in it. We had we had agreement with my staff on it. We just started releasing them. Now, you know, six years into this, we're trying to synergize all these things because we've had so many things floating out there that we've actually had to scale back. But uh, anyhow, our church became a full family-oriented church as well. Uh, my associate and I did a demographic study of our church a couple years ago, and it turned out to be a perfect bell curve. With you have young folks and seniors and middle-aged people in the middle. It was just amazing the spread. But the the most powerful ministry probably in our church is our children's ministry. They, they run 150 on Sunday mornings at children, and my children's pastor has 97 adult volunteers. 97. So, yeah. So that ministry alone involves uh, what 
uh, 250 people or something in yeah. the church. Oh, it's yeah. absolutely incredible. And we've become way more progressive with the music. We have the lights down and you know, way contemporary music, and right. it's loud and you know, all that jazz. <laughs> right. So we've been able to step by step, you know, become contemporary and relative to to people who are in the in the culture today, but to, but not lose the old folks. Right. You're trying. You're basically trying to add just this conglomerate of all age groups and make sure that yeah. everybody is being fed at the same time and, and things right. like that. Now let me ask you this. What would you say for uh, the pastor out there who's really trying to um, grow his church, the uh, you know the team out there that's really trying to figure out what they need to do to bring the church back mm-hmm. to life, you know, those types of situations. What would you say are some of the first key steps in order to start that process and have it be effective? You, you know, number one, you have to gain trust with the people through, through the time limit of your service, honestly, through uh, the way you approach things, through from preaching to how you administrate. Every, you have to gain the trust of the people. Once they trust you, they'll run with you. Next, we are very Pentecostal. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit, the gifts, the moving of the Spirit, revivals. I have numerous revivals a year. We are unashamedly Pentecostal. I heard Jack Hayford say this years ago. He said the reason his church, Church on the Way in Van Nuys, California, the reason it exploded in growth was because of an unusual move of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And he said, I didn't try to explain it away. I didn't try to, to make excuses for it. I just tried to teach the people as we walked through the move of the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit brings growth, you know. I, I know we hear all these great programs these guys have in America, and some of them we try to emulate, but we don't have their heart, we don't have their context. We have to depend on the Holy Spirit for our thing. Another, and the last thing I would say is just be crazy evangelistic. Yeah, it's that's in my wife's heart and my heart. We were evangelists before; we were church planners, so we took that DNA to this traditional church. <laughs> Our church is going to celebrate its 100th anniversary in three years. 100th, yeah, or four years. So that's how old this church is. Wow! But we just everything's evangelistic. I tell them we have a dinner; we're going to get souls saved. We have a children's event; we're going to get souls saved. We do a hunting event; we're going to get souls saved. So now that DNA has kind of been injected into the church, and everything becomes about soul winning. That's amazing. That's amazing. And from there, you just continue to build and you yeah. continue to. That's awesome. Right. Hans, let me ask you this before we go, because I hate to do this. We're getting close to the end of our sure. time. But any final advice for pastors, things from your own experience, things you've noticed, what to do, what not to do, any final word for our listeners out there who uh, are in similar situations or have you know ministries that have the needs that you've seen across this time period in your experience? You know, I'd just say be encouraged, man. Be encouraged because if you're pastoring 50 people or if you're pastoring 1,000 people, you're still the same person. Be comfortable in your skin and be be encouraged in what you're doing because um, I have things like this happening now, a lot of people coming and asking advice, and, and I'm, I'm saying, man, I'm the same guy I was when I was pastoring, <laughs> you know, banging it out with 50 people in Northern Virginia with the same people, yeah. but just different season, different time, and uh, just be encouraged and keep keep after it, keep winning souls, keep praying, allow the Holy Spirit to move in your church, because there's a, I'm noticing this, we're all concerned about the younger generation and being re- relevant to them, but they are hungry for a move of the Holy Spirit, man. So just be encouraged and keep on keeping on. 
That's amazing. Hans, listen, I really appreciate you sitting down and talking with us today. And uh, your ministry is absolutely a phenomenal story and how it's been progressing. And uh, really, God's just been preparing you the whole way. Absolutely. And I think that's amazing. It's been a privilege to meet you as well. And hopefully we'll have you back on the show in the future. That'd be wonderful to get you back on in the future and see how things are going and catch up and, and that sort of thing. So sure. Thank it's you been so a pleasure. Much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you for listening to the IPHC Leadership Cast. For more information on the Leadership Cast and other church-related resources, please visit www.iphc.org.